Some bullpen stumbles keep a good week from becoming a great one. We could have easily swept the series. I mean, we've been playing great baseball. There's no reason, like I said, to hang our heads from this. Welcome to the Braves Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano, who was in St. Louis. And the Braves still go 4-2 and two on this road trip, but it is not a happy flight home. No, it's a very good road trip, but when you look at this, they were a few clean innings away from sweeping this series and had two chances to win this series to take two of three, and they blew a save in the ninth and on Saturday and then blew a game in the eighth on Sunday, um, and they really, you know, big picture looks good, but this one was ugly. All right, coming up, we'll dig into what happened in St. Louis. Plus, we've got some exclusive audio from Dansby Swanson on his contract situation and the chances he'll stay in Atlanta. Plus, we'll also discuss the new playoff format and how it will affect the Braves in the final month, the status of Ron Lacuna and Ozzie Albies. Plus, why crosswords have taken over the clubhouse, and we've got all the answers in our Ask Justin segment. If this is your first time listening to the show, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. The Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is brought to you by Kroger. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so let's dig into what happened on Sunday and got a little more from A.J. Minner after his miserable eighth inning. It's tough. It stinks. But, you know, we get to wake up and keep playing. We still have a whole month left to go, and we're going to finish strong and put himself in a good position and make another run at this thing. If you're wondering how ball players handle uh, bullpen meltdowns, that and what Kenley Jansen said on Saturday are pretty similar. Yeah, of course. Um you kind of can't lose sleep over it if you're in their position. It's such a daily grind. It's such a daily game. Uh, for them, in a couple days, they'll be thrust in another situation like this. They're always in pressure situations, and you, you kind of got to let them roll off your back. And I know sometimes that's frustrating for fans to hear, and it's not completely a lack of accountability. That's just the way they view things. They're accountable to what they do, but you cannot get hung up on one result in this game. Um, you've kind of just got to move forward. And, yeah, that's what they're preaching. So both kind of, you know, spoke after the game and took accountability that way by, you know, being in front of the microphones. But I just think that, yeah, you let it roll off your back, you flush it, you move on to the next one. The Braves' bullpen, for the most part, has been, you know, better than a lot of others in baseball. Now, it was not good this weekend. Had it Had another clean inning or two. The Braves win two or three. Maybe they sweep the series, but they've still only lost, you know, a handful of games since that New York series uh, in Queens. They're looking good despite this one, the last two here being ugly. We do have an early um, entry from the Ask Justin mailbag from Hunter Reed. Why can't Snitker manage a bullpen? Oh, God. Yeah, that's. I think you could pick your favorite manager's favorite manager. <laughs> and he probably heard the same thing about he how he couldn't manage a bullpen. Tonight, I mean, who are you going to throw out there? I mean, I guess I think the th- easiest thing maybe you could say was, well, you could have sent McHugh back out there for another inning, but 
you know, AJ Minters earned the right to fight through these things. And plus, he'd struck out two of the top hitters in the National League, if not the two top hitters right now in the National League, and Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, um, to get to two outs before giving up that three-run home run. I just don't know who you would have put in in that situation um, because Iglesias was probably closing after Kenley Jansen's long night uh, last night. So, I mean, I... I don't know. I just think that the bullpen management stuff is so difficult because you're balancing not only that day's game and, you know, what's ahead in a week or a couple days, but what's ahead in a month. You're trying to keep these guys upright until the postseason and through it. Uh, So, I mean, it's just, I think that's just such a, um, it's probably a narrative in all 30 baseball markets. Like, you know, everybody's saying that about their manager. It's like offensive coordinators. Most people hate theirs, even though they win. Most people hate the bullpen management, even though the Braves are, what, second in the National League in bullpen ERA? Yeah, the bullpen, <laughs> look, the bullpen's good. I mean, you look around the league, and Craig Kimbrell lost his closer spot. So did Josh Hader, who, oh, by the way, gave up six earned runs in a third of an inning in Kansas City today. That's Think bad. These things, like, these things happen, and they happen a lot of times this season. They're happening to a larger degree than they are in Atlanta. Um the Braves, for the most part, I know things have been shaky with that bullpen lately, but for the most part, their bullpen's been very good. Um, and I think it's bullpens are just volatile these days. And I know nobody likes hearing that, but you can't. You saw the best of a bullpen in last year's postseason for the Braves, but you cannot. That's just not going to be the case over a five month season. I mean, it's just not. And so that's unrealistic. Um, and yes, it stinks if you're a fan, and it stings when you lose these two games that were winnable, that you should have won and where you could have gained a game on the Mets um, with a win Sunday night. But it's just baseball, and I know everybody hates hearing that, but I think the Braves, we're going to look back on this season, and the bullpen will not be the thing that doomed this team. I mean, I think the bullpen is strong compared to most of its competitors. Among the highlights is Jake Odorizzi appears to have finally settled in with two strong starts this week. Yeah, yeah, he has looked really good, um, and in St. Louis – I mean, he took a no-hitter into the sixth inning um, and got the first two outs of the sixth inning. And then Lars Newtbar, I mean, that pitch was up and away, a ball and a half out of the zone. Jake Odorizzi said he just wouldn't have done anything differently. Uh, He ends up giving up two runs over five and a third. But the important part is that he's been able to carry the mechanical adjustment that he kind of used, kind of getting, you know, from Spencer Strider, simplifying the windup a little bit and the mechanics a little bit. trying to preset his back leg, uh, which gives him more direction to the plate and kind of gives him more power uh, by association of that um, as he's going toward the plate. So, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing because you wondered after the Mets rain delay, was this guy going to be able to carry this over, what he found in those last two innings? It worked in Pittsburgh, and then people said, well, that's a bad lineup. Against St. Louis, uh, a lineup that scored four more runs after he left the game, he was very good. Uh, he no-hit them, like I said, through five innings. And, um, yeah, I think that is a very encouraging sign that came from this road trip. Now, Jake's been really part of a pretty strong uh, week out of the rotation, and that's been one of the looming questions with the postseason around the corner. Can a rotation of Freed, Morton, Wright, and Strider get it done? And at least this week, uh, they've all put it all together. Yeah, 100%. And I think um, 
the interesting part of that is now you look at what would the playoff pecking order be? Because right now, for as good as you know Charlie Morton's been in the postseason, for as good as Ian Anderson, if he ever returns to the rotation, has been in the postseason, um, man, behind Max Freed, it would be tough to not go Spencer Strider or Kyle Wright in a combination of the two, right? I mean, because Spencer Strider's been incredible, um, and you know, in his latest act, shut down a, a good Cardinals lineup that had been playing well. Um, and I think that was one of the biggest concerns, like going back to the first few podcast episodes we did this season. When we talked about this team, it was like, okay, they're going to score. Okay, the bullpen looks very good and deep, and they should have some versatility back there. But for me, personally, when I looked at this, I was like, are they going to have as good of a rotation as the Mets? Are they going to have as good of a rotation as the Dodgers? Is the rotation going to be as good as, you know, contenders, other contenders in baseball? And so far, that's been a resounding yes. Yes, you've had slip-ups from Ian Anderson. Yes, Jake Odorizzi hasn't always looked good. And yes, like Charlie Morton's had a very, very up-and-down season. But for the most part, I think these guys are good enough to win them another World Series, considering how good the lineup is. And I think that's the important part, is you've really gotten things from Spencer Strider that you didn't even expect. Kyle Wright has been one of Major League Baseball's breakout stars. And then Max Fried is pitching like one of the game's true aces. And I, I think these guys are as good as pretty much as good as any. Do they have the one-two top punch at the top like the Mets? No. But I mean I don't you know, when you have a good lineup like that, I don't think that matters as much. What matters more is that down the line, I mean, these guys are giving them quality starts night in, night out for the most part. Let's dig a little deeper into Spencer Strider's development. Here's Snicker again. You just get more experienced and um, more confidence in his stuff. I mean, what he's doing, he just keeps getting better. I mean, he's, he's, you know, it's like I say, he's holding his velocity through the whole game. Um, Secondary stuff was really good again. Uh, It's just, you know, it's kind of fun to watch. And a little more from the stash on how he's improved. Yeah, so the slider come a long way just from last year. I mean, I wouldn't even throw in it before June of last year or so, or July of last year or so. yeah, I mean, the metrically and, you know, velocity, command, all of that's been, been pretty good with it. Like I said earlier, I wasn't great in two straight counts today, but, um, you know, some of that's just kind of throw your hands up, and some of it was executing and just didn't didn't get the result we wanted. But, um, yeah, the change-up still, still figuring out how to use it more so than anything. Metrically, it's really good. Um, and command's not bad of it. It's just when do we use it and how do we use it. I want to go back to that first part of that bite from Spencer. His slider's only a year old. Yeah, yeah. So he totally rebuilt his slider um, over the offseason, if I remember, or, you know, in the last year. Hasn't really thrown it much. Same thing, like he built his changeup in the offseason. Um, and really, the interesting thing I find about Spencer Strider is how intentional he is with things. Like, with whether it be the slider, the changeup, or developing a new pitch, he's so smart about the way he goes about it. Like, I remember talking to him about his changeup, for example. Um, a couple months ago and that was something where he told me like before you even start developing the pitch you have to know what you want out of it how you want it to move where you want it to and I know like there is a lot more going on in these guys' heads than fans might think but I can tell you that a lot of pitchers probably don't think about it like that when they're developing a new pitch Um, just the intelligence he has the intuitiveness and yeah that slider and that changeup, those are pretty new pitches for him 
And those are going to be huge going forward. So the fact that he's been able to throw them well, you know, at times this year, you know, for the most part, really bodes really well because you can't live in this game with just one pitch, though his fastball is really darn good. But I've got, you know, if you're looking at this, I think you can have some confidence that those secondary pitches are going to play um, and they're going to keep playing um, like they have. And if he can, you know, he's got the fastball, he's got the slider. If he can work that change up in more and keep doing that um, and keep landing. And I mean, I think that's going to be huge for him. But I, I think it just goes back to how aware he is of his repertoire and like everything he wants to accomplish and the ways to go about things that I think he's so directional and intentional with things that uh, it's really impressive. And I think we said this maybe last week, but the biggest knock on that guy's rookie of the year case is the the dude who's a couple feet over in the home clubhouse. Yeah. And that's Michael Harris. And he certainly has not let the money go to his head. It's unbelievable. You know, it's, for a young guy like that, you think, man, you know, what happens when he gets strong, you know, and matures as uh, a, you know, um, but it's just that power the other way is just crazy, you know, that we've seen him just, <clears throat> you know, straight away and the left center and all is just nuts. Yeah. When he came up, did you know he had that type of no. opposite field power? You know what? He hit a, I saw, he hit a maybe one or two opposite field homers in spring training, but it kind of happens in spring training. You don't think anything of it. It's, wind's always blowing, but, you know, um, I remember one kind of that he hit maybe not this spring, but two springs ago. But, you know, it didn't now it's just seeing him every day. It's just, you know, good Lord. That bomb on Monday was uh, most impressive. Yeah. Yeah. When your manager ends his answers about you with uh, good Lord multiple times in the same postgame press conference, it's, it's usually a good thing. That was incredible because, well, for people who haven't been to PNC Park or haven't seen it on TV, there's a lot of real estate in left field. Mm-hmm. Um, so to power one out to left center there, think about this. To get one out to left center, he had to hit it 105 miles an hour, I think that was, 391 feet to sneak it over the wall, opposite field and left center. That's how much ground there is there. The left center field corner there is deeper than center field at a lot of places. Uh, there's a lot of ground there, and he cleared it. I mean, he's always had opposite field power, though. So I remember him saying that didn't surprise him. It was more like the pull side power he tried to develop. But that opposite field power is incredible, especially because when you look at, I think in the minors, he only homered 14 times over 197 games after high school. He's got 13 in the big leagues now. I mean, he's still growing into his body. He's 21 years old. But to make the sort of swing adjustments he has and to have the type of power he has for them um, in a limited time in the big leagues, a couple months, you know, missed the first almost two months when he was in the minors. And so I think that's been impressive. He, uh, There's going to be a day where he's hitting a lot higher than eighth. <laughs> yes. When is, when is that day coming? I mean, I think it could be as soon as – Oh, I mean, you look at as soon as next year or something, but heck, the Braves are you think would probably have the same core. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. He fits pretty well at that bottom of the lineup, but I think he's got to be. It's got to be you know as soon as next year, probably you know moving him up because that guy is uh, that's a really good eight hitter and really fueling the bottom of the lineup with Vaughn Grissom. But man, eventually you got to get him up. I think it could be as soon as next year, but I think for for right now he works so well 
down at the bottom of that lineup and keeping it potent and turning the order over because the Braves have such a good order and don't need him to hit second or third. So, um, yeah, I think he works really, really well down there, especially with the speed. Why haven't they tried him in the in the leadoff spot when Acuna is out? They did once, and, you know, I don't know. I think it's just that with the, maybe the tough at-bats, like you don't want to put that much on him perhaps, but with the tough at-bats, I think Dansby profiles really well as a leadoff hitter um, with the way he'd been hitting this year. And so he'd gotten most of that, but I think Harris got Harris did it once, uh, and that was in DC. I believe that was the game right before the All Star break, right leading into the All Star break. Um, but I think Harris profiles really well is kind of that bottom of the order hitter right now, at least. I mean, he's got too much power and too much hitability for that to occur, you know, long term. But right now, I mean, he's fast. He can turn the lineup over. He can give the bottom of the lineup a spark things like that that work really well with their current core and their current order um, that I think Dansby Swanson probably just works better in that leadoff spot here and there when uh, Ronald Acuna, who's dealt with knee soreness and probably, you know, will have to do so for the rest of the season, according to Snicker, um, has been out. We're about to get to September and time to really start focusing in on the pennant races. And if the Braves don't make the postseason, it will be an all-time collapse. But first of all, what do you think of the new playoff format as we get a little closer to it? It's going to be interesting. I I like it because it allows an, another storyline, right? Like with both leagues, you're looking at the third wild card spot, and that's kind of an added storyline. Whereas we we're always looking at like the second wild card spot. Now, I'm not sure how I felt when we talked about this a couple months ago. I said that I liked baseball. I'm pretty sure I said that I liked baseball because it was difficult to get into the postseason. And it meant something if you did on a given year. But now I think I'm willing to try it because I don't want to be that person that hates change. And I'm willing to embrace it just because of this. One, it gives you that added storyline, like I said. Two, what if that last wildcard team, you know, gets to the NLCS or gets to the World Series, which I think could completely happen in the National League because the last wildcard team right now is slated to be the Padres, um, who don't look good. But if they get hot, certainly have the talent to be there. The Phillies, the second wildcard team, have the talent to do it and have shown they can beat the Braves. And I think it's going to make for a really interesting race. In the American League, I think things are less interesting. But in the National League, you've got the Braves, you've got the Dodgers, you've got the Mets, you've got the Fit. Like I think there are so many teams that, that actually might pose a threat that I'm really excited to see how this thing plays out. I mean, what about, do you, do you think that's, too many are you more selective with your postseason spots i guess it could vary year to year i i'll make the compromise on there's got to be a significant punishment for sneaking into the field yeah you're in the playoffs but that road to get to the top has got to be very hard so i'll be curious to see how much of a tax and a penalty there is on this first three game series and and my question for you is do you feel any sense of urgency yet for the Braves to win the division and stay out of that three-game series? Not a, not a ton, because I think the Braves are so good that they can play that three-game series and still make it to the World Series, still win the World Series. I think I don't think that's a huge detractor for a team like them because they're so complete. The thing that I find interesting about the Braves and should be comforting if you're a fan is these guys can win in so many different ways. Like we've seen it over the last couple of weeks. They can they can pitch. 
they can swing it. You know, if they need to score 10 runs, they can score 10 runs. If they need to pitch and keep the other team to a run because they only scored two, they can do that. Um, They can win in extras. They can battle back. All of that stuff is encouraging because you need to win different ways in October. Um, And I think here's something. Would you like the the break and not to not have to play that series? Absolutely. But when we've been on this podcast talking about the Braves and their best stretches, it's been when they've been playing 20 in a row or 14 games in 14 days or 15 games in 16 days. It's been over these long stretches. And I think Brian Snickers alluded to it multiple times this year where this team plays really well when it plays very consistently and on a daily basis, which makes me think that the Braves probably will not be worn out to the degree that it's going to affect them too much in that in the NLDS if they get through that three-game series. But, of course, like you want to win the division. It makes it easier on you. It lets you stack your pitching against somebody who just had to play the three-game series. So, yeah, you wanted to win the division. I don't think it's absolutely necessary for the Braves just because I think they can, they're such a complete team and can win in so many different ways that they don't need a very specific recipe. That's what's going to fascinate me is, is five days off too many days off when you're facing a team that's just played three games and had one day off to travel? Yeah, remember when um, in that 2020 season there were multiple stoppages? Like I know when I was on the Mets beat, the Mets had one that lasted – I think it was four days. Uh, you had COVID stoppages. The Marlins had a huge one for these positive yeah. tests. And I remember guys saying that, man, four days off, it was just too hard. You had to you had to kind of get in the cage. You had to get your timing back. You had to try to stay ready. And then it took a couple games when you were back. So what's almost a week going to do to you in the postseason? I think that could be relatively dangerous because baseball, folks, like, is not a contact sport. This is not... You know, the NFL, it's not like they're going to be playing three football games in the span of six days. It's a lot of its timing, a lot of its rhythm, a lot of its groove, things like that, that I think could really get thrown out of whack if you're not playing every day and you do get that huge break. It might be nice, but those teams are going to have to do something so they they don't start out slow. And that that is going to be fascinating. This whole playoff format... It's nice to see that there's more competition created in the NL because of it, but the AL like just doesn't interest me. Like you look over there and yep. it's just kind of like, yeah, you've got Seattle and like Cleveland's a great story and they're leading the division, but it's like some of those teams with their records should not even be close to wildcard spot. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The Braves Report is brought to you by Kroger, and we know the situation at the gas pump could be better, but here's one thing that'll help. Becoming a Kroger Boost member, because Kroger Boost members get two times the fuel points now, so you get free deliveries on your Kroger groceries, and you get to save money on gasoline, and you get your time back by not having to stand in line and check out and shop. Plus, you get more benefits and more savings. All of this for as little as 59 bucks a year. So go to Kroger.com slash boost to enroll. That is Kroger.com slash boost. Alright, time to talk some injuries. First off, Ron Lacuna out two games in a row reason for alarm 
No, no, I don't I don't think so. I mean, the way Brian Snicker has explained it is that Ronald Acuna is going to have to deal with this knee soreness um, for probably the rest of the season until he has a full offseason and then a regular spring training. There's inflammation in the knee, but there's nothing structurally wrong. And Ronald Acuna told us today, um, Sunday, that it, it was explained to him by the Braves that this is normal soreness, normal inflammation following, you know, an a- ACL reconstruction surgery. He's just looking to, you know, get a break here and there when he needs it, just so he can be 100% down the stretch. I would expect he's in the starting lineup Tuesday against the Rockies. Um, but yeah, it's like anytime your superstars out of the lineup, it's somewhat concerning. But uh, for him, I think this is this was billed to him as just normal soreness, things he's going to have to deal with and going to have to fight through for the rest of the season. Uh, but he hopes he can manage it to the point where he's 100% before the year's over. What's Ozzie Albee's status? How close is he getting to coming back? I think he's I think he's really close to heading out on a rehab assignment. Uh, the team took him on the trip this week so he could finish kind of ramping up baseball activities. So we've seen him, you know, he's hitting the cage. We've seen him take batting practice, seen him do his running routine, you know, base running routine before games, has fielded, gone to his right, gone to his left, thrown to first, you know, after fielding those balls. So he's looked really good to me. Um, and... Snit said that uh, once they get back home, he could, you know, rehab assignment could be looming for him. So I would expect him to head out on a rehab assignment. You know, it seems like, you know, some at some point during the next homestand, we haven't heard a timetable on that. That's just me reading between the lines of, of what he said and how close uh, he seems to be. So it, it won't be far for for him, and that's going to create an interesting situation at second base, right? Yeah, so what so what what do you do with old uh, Von Grissom if if Ozzy returns before the season's over? Left field seems like a natural possibility, as does, you know, the designated hitter spot because Grissom's probably a better, you know, he's a better hitter than he is a defender. Um, but he should see some time at second base because I think the Braves might want to work uh Albies back into it, you know, with some days at second base, some days at DH. And I asked Brian Snicker about that and he said, "Yeah, that's an option for Ozzy." Um I asked him about how realistic it would be to see Von Grissom in left field, and he said, you know, we, we haven't talked about that at all. Um, so we'll see what they do, but I would I would be surprised if we don't see Grissom in, in left field at some point, or even, you know, in the future. But even just for now, like, you know, splitting second base and DH time, it's never a problem to have too many good players, but it is going to create kind of uh, this log jam that will be interesting to figure out, especially when you consider that Orlando Arcia, who, you know, whose injury looked bad in Boston, started a rehab assignment on Saturday, went two for four, I think, and doubled. And so that's going to create something else. He'll be the backup. You think that'll create a roster crunch a little bit, even if rosters will expand uh, next week. And the thing with Arcia is that Brian Snicker said, you know, when he suffered that injury, he was thinking like, oh man, you know, he's he's done for the rest of the year. Nope, it ended up being, you know, a few weeks and now he's back on a rehab assignment. So uh, there will be reinforcements. All right, now one thing we want to put into a little bit more focus this week is Albie's old double play partner, Dansby Swanson, who is seemingly the next man up for an extension and kind of has sort of become the unofficial captain of this team. Here's Max Fried. Yeah, he wants to win. So when, when you see someone like that, and it's definitely um, a very prominent leader on the team going out there and being as selfless as he is. It, 
it rubs off on a lot of guys. And speaking of leadership, Justin, you had a chance to grab a few minutes with Dan's before the game on Sunday? A lot of these guys talk about your leadership, and I wanted to ask you, when you hear leader or leadership, what's that definition to you? What is your definition of that? Uh, I've always thought that the best form of leadership was the servant leadership. Um, I just feel like that in how I was raised, the things that I've learned and been taught, and a lot of it's biblical too. It's just like come to serve, not to be served. And I just feel like that's the, the best form of leadership is, is giving yourself to one another, uh, loving one another. And, uh, you know, with that, obviously can come tough conversations and can come, you know, love is not just always a feel-good thing. You know, sometimes there's conversations or lessons that, come with that too but you know I would I would just say that leadership is, is serving one another um, and obviously I think that's something that we kind of embody here um, just how we treat each other and, and how we play uh, and you know, it's definitely been working for us so and you also asked him about his contract situation no I mean I mean uh, it's a I mean it, it seems pretty like I'm an Atlanta kid. Uh, this is my home. Uh, this will always be my home. And I mean, that's as simple as it is. is like, after I'm done playing, like, you know, Mallory and I will be in Atlanta and our kids will, you know, grow up in Atlanta and stuff too. So this is home and, and they know that. And you know, we'll just see where, where things go. So, what do you think? Where do the negotiations stand right now? Yeah, it's on. I've heard that um, they have had talks about it. But it's unclear if talks are ongoing. Are ongoing. Um, that's always tough to know because a negotiation or talks could be like one time they checked back or both sides broached something, you know, once or twice. Um, it's kind of unclear how deep they, you know, ever got into those talks. But I think the fact that they have talked shows you one thing. There's interest on both sides. I think Dansby fits, fits what the Braves want to do. And at the same time, as he said in that bite... He's an Atlanta kid. He loves this place. He is an integral part of the core. The Braves are set up to win for a decent chunk of years with the core they've built, and he can be a great part of that. I wouldn't be surprised if something gets done, but also like Dansby's price is definitely going up by how he's playing this year on both sides of the ball. Now, only in the AJC we found out this week that apparently one thing Dansby's brought to this clubhouse is a real love and a need to play crossword puzzles before the game and uh, and apparently Kyle Wright is taking a lot of credit for this too so really honestly I'm going to claim it, it was more me oh, okay. but for me okay. it went back to uh, Tyler Flowers he was always yeah. really big into him going back to uh, like my first ring training in 2018 that's kind of where I first started and that's when I first tried it we'd have a big group around it because yeah. uh, Tyler Flowers was always really good at him he's oh, okay. crazy he was crazy smart he would crush him and you know five, ten minutes, and uh, it would take, you know, me forever. And I think over the years I've started doing it. Um, we've always had a couple guys up here that would do it. And then um, I, I would say Danzy's probably done a pretty good job of, of spreading it. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I got on him pretty pretty early in 2018 because of Flowers. And, um, yeah, so it's just kind of spread like water. Now we got the young guys here, too. we got yeah. Mike and Vaughn both doing it. So um, we got all the older guys, so all the way the young guys doing it. I did not expect to read this, that a bunch of 20-something-year-old dudes love crossword puzzles. 
Yeah, seriously, right? Especially because everybody sits on their phones these days, um, and you would expect to see the same in a clubhouse. And to a degree, you do, but yeah, you see uh, Dansby Swanson mosey over, you know, to the kitchen area or to the middle of the clubhouse, and he's got a pen and a paper. You see Kyle Wright do the same thing. And uh, the Vandy boys, you know, just a little tidbit, those Vandy boys don't think that there's a coincidence that they're the ones, you know, kind of pushing oh. the brain games in the clubhouse. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's a relaxing way for them to start days. And, I mean, it, you know, you've got their days are so hectic, so much pressure, you know, so much noise from the outside, things like that. Um, but, yeah, when they get started, I mean, just sit down and, and crush a crossword. And, yeah, they got Michael Harris into it, who did his first one in Miami. Um, Matt Olson does them. Max Fried will do them. You know, Darno. Yeah, they've they've got a little squad, and they've also got a, a you know faction of the clubhouse that does Sudoku puzzles. So more like those, you know, like AJ Minter loves those. Uh, Darno will do some of those. Riley will do some of those. It's a uh, it's interesting what baseball players do in their spare time. You know, while still at the the field, you know, to start their days. Uh, because it's such a mentally taxing game that I think this just allows them a way to... Uh, Kyle Wright said it was dumb and stupid, but it allows them kind of a little sense of accomplishment. Are they doing the crossword puzzle in the AJC? That's what I want to know. I know they should be. We should print them out some copies. They like... Uh, they, they like a, There's a certain one that they do from another media outlet. No free ads. Um, but... <laughs> but... There is one, and, and many people listening might be able to guess. There's very a one from a specific media outlet that is seen as very difficult in the crossword circles, um, the standard of crosswords. Mm. And Kyle Wright said that would basically like blend his brain. He's like, yeah, I've got no shot at that. So they they stick to us very certain. They they like ones that are that are doable. Um, which oh, yeah. which I understand. I mean, who wants to who wants to kind of be spun around every which way and you know doing you know something, but. We we should we should you know print them out. I mean, if you if you deliver those to the clubhouse, I'm sure they'll do. And a quick reminder that if you are a subscriber to the Atlanta Journal Constitution, not only do you get access to all our games and puzzles, but you have access to the Braves Report newsletter as well. So if you have not signed up for that, please do so. You'll get all our daily Braves coverage all in the same place, delivered to your inbox every morning. One of the many advantages that you get as a subscriber to the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And if you have not joined our community yet, take advantage of the special offer that we have. Only for Braves fans and only for really people listening to this podcast because we, we pass it along to you every week and we call it our season pass. Eight months of the AJC for just thirty nine ninety nine. That is half off our regular offer. So go to subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass so you always know what's really going on. All right, up next should be a pretty manageable week on paper. Three at home with Colorado starting Tuesday, followed by three more with the last place Marlins. So another stretch to do some damage. Yeah, 100%. Um, and if you're looking at the division, the Mets play three against the Dodgers to start the week when the Braves get to play the Rockies after the Mets played the Rockies. So that, you know, you hope that you might be able to gain a game or two during that stretch. Um, that could make things very, very intriguing going into September and yeah, if you're the Braves, like with the way they've been playing, I would expect them to win all but one of these games, if not all of them. I think you, you this is a very easy stretch, very easy homestand before a three-city West Coast trip that will include Seattle and San Francisco, and um, and then Matt Olson's return to you know his former ballpark. But yeah, I think this is very manageable. The Braves kind of should roll, and anything less would be a disappointment. 
All right, now time for the Ask Justin segment where we answer questions from Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. First up from at Fabian Strategy 9. Is it impossible for this season to be a success if the Braves do not win the World Series? Um, no. Here's the thing. is the, World, the Braves are getting to the point where they are going to be viewed as a World Series or bust team because they're so good. They're stacked. They're successful. They've got the players. They've got the core. They spend, they're spending more now um, and should be in the future. But I don't ascribe to that mindset just because it's so hard to win a World Series. Only one team does it. So much must go well. Uh, which everybody in Atlanta saw last year. You know you know everything that has to go into it. And it's so hard to repeat. It hasn't do- been done by the Yankees over 20 years ago uh, since the Yankees over 20 years ago. So, I mean, no. I think this season's a success if they make a deep run um, and it's another good building block. Because last year's Braves team was viewed as that team that got hot. This year's Braves team is viewed as overpowering stacked talented roster hardly any holes i think we're approaching a new era of braves baseball in that way that they could be a very sustainable winner and a perennial contender so any step toward that like a deep deep up october run to me would be a success even if yes you don't play for participation trophies from at real ac gonzalez seven roster predictions for september when they go to 28 assuming everyone's healthy yeah, yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, another pitcher, another hitter. That means they could keep somebody like Adrianza, who would be an obvious, um, you know, candidate to be off the roster once Albies came back and Arcia came back. And then, you know, for the arm, they could add like somebody, you know, a length guy like Kyle Moeller. It could be used on like a, a Mike Soroka um, or somebody like that. Uh, it, it's going to be an arm and, you know, position player, you would think, uh, the maximum things like that go up. But, um, I would expect, yeah, more pitching and then maybe not even a new position player as much as just like keeping one around that, you know, they can keep on the roster and wouldn't have to DFA or, you know, option otherwise. All right. Next from JN, can the Braves void Ozuna's contract if he's convicted of DUI? I don't believe so. Um, I talked to some people in the industry about this, and everybody's very pretty certain that they would not be able to void the contract for a DUI alone. Um, it would have to be something more serious, as if that's not serious enough. That feels weird to say. But it would have to be usually the contract guarantee language in almost any contract does not allow a team to do that if a player is you know, found guilty and convicted of a DUI, things like that. It would have to be something more, you know, if he had prison time and couldn't uh, fulfill the contract or wasn't available to play, things like that. But it it doesn't look like the Braves are going to be able to void the contract or recoup any of the money. They're kind of just going to have to decide whether they want that roster spot for somebody else, whether they want to keep him, and, and, you know, they'd have to pretty much, like, eat the money. All right, now time for the winners of the week. You first. All right, my winner of the week uh, is for a very specific moment. Matt Olson becoming the first Brave to hit a ball into the Allegheny River in PNC Park history. Now that one, some people said it bounced. It looked like it. I couldn't tell from the broadcast camera. You just saw the splash in the river. But yeah, you saw the Grand Slam ball just floating away out there. And that was, I think it's the the 66th time it's happened, the 45th different player 
and then he's the first Brave. So uh, already writing himself into the books. All right, my winner of the week is catchers uh, because that's two of the Braves' hottest hitters this week. Travis Darno and William Contreras keep rolling on, both hitting over 300 the last two weeks, five homers combined. I, I have a suggestion for the Silver Slugger Committee. They need to do something about this and, and make this a joint entry from them this year. Yeah, that would that would be funny, especially because, yeah, nobody has produced more than these catchers. And the funny thing is they if you view them as catchers – themselves they've produced more than if you were to put that in a split and a stat on a website and what i mean by that is william Contreras has done a lot of damage as a dh uh but it's still a catcher to and and for them to get that much out of their catchers uh is pretty ridiculous um they they are in a very good spot bill darno's had a good year oh yeah oh yeah um no he's no he's had a great year um and they've, I guess they've had a great year. But, yeah, that's uh, I like what you did there. Now time for our Coaches of the Week, and congratulations to the Braves Youth Baseball and Youth Coaches of the Week. Austin Hamilton, who coaches baseball with the Martinez-Evans Little League in Rossville, Georgia, and Anthony Whitley, who coaches at Sandy Plains Softball in Roswell. Check out this week's nominees and cast your vote at ajc.com slash Coach of the Week, which is brought to you by the Atlanta Braves and your local Kroger store. So, uh, Justin, hopefully you'll uh, actually get one direct flight uh, back from St. Louis to Atlanta here and then uh, settle in for another homestand. Yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. We'll see you guys next week. All right, please rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe. That is what helps us grow this show. We obviously want to grow this show, so tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what what we're doing wrong. Tell a friend if you're having fun with us, and we'll see you every Monday on the Braves Report for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.